Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at EmmausRoad.com. Well, good morning. It's great to be with you. And this morning, I'm going to continue our summer Sunday series by looking at one of the characters that I've spent more time thinking about and praying about and meditating about than probably any other. And it's uh, Joseph. Joseph, uh, the son of Jacob, uh, who we think about when we think about the musical Joseph and his Technicolor dream coat. And there is so much in this story that we can think about. And I want to focus really on two things, character and calling and how they work together, because Joseph is a fascinating study in that and how God can continue to work on our characters, even, even as he's getting ready to fulfill his calling upon us. So I'm going to dive straight in. This is from Genesis chapter 37. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending his flocks with his brothers, the sons of Billah and the sons of Ziphah, his father's wives. And he brought their, and he brought their father a bad report about them. Now Israel loved J- Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made him an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, and when he had told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered round and bowed down to mine. His brother said to him, do you intend to rule over us? Will you actually reign and rule over us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream. And this time the sun and moon and 11 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? So Joseph is such an interesting character. We know he's the youngest son of Jacob. Jacob had other sons from other wives. And we're not quite sure exactly why he decided to share the first dream and then the second dream with uh, his, his, his brothers, first of all, and then his father. It could be because uh, he was thinking tactically. He wanted to show that there was this calling upon his life, that he was going to do something extraordinary. It could be because uh, he was feeling insecure and he needed to assert his own authority. It could be that he was just lacking social awareness and didn't really think about the consequences of what he was doing. It could be that he was slightly arrogant and was like, look at me, I had this dream and you're going to bow down to me. We don't know. But what I love about the story of Joseph is it's actually a story of God refusing to give up 
on the call he had on Joseph's life, but loving him so much that he put Joseph through his refiner's fire, if you like, on the journey so that his character could sustain the call on his life, so that his character could sustain the call on his life. Now, maybe you are watching this morning and you have a clear sense of God's call on your life. Or maybe you don't. Whichever category you're in, uh, know that God tests and refines us because he loves us and has great things that he wants us to do. God wants to shape our character so that it can sustain the calling that he has on each one of our lives. God's call on your life could be any number of things that he's prepared in advance for you. There isn't a hierarchy of callings. God's calling on each person is bespoke and is unique to them. And we know that ultimately our calling is to be friends of God. When I first had a sense of God's call on my life to go into full-time Christian leadership I went and talked to a friend who'd been doing it for a number of years and asked them to pray for me and asked them to mentor me and asked them to give me uh, just walk alongside with me and to be honest what I didn't expect was what was happened that suddenly it was like God kind of put a mirror to the to my face or to my soul and just showed me some areas of my character that just needed some work on and it was hard and it was difficult in some ways but I'm so glad that he did because he was just showing that he loved me too much to leave me uh, to myself because God wants to shape our character so that it can sustain the calling he has on our lives God hadn't given up on me when he was putting the torch light of the beam light if you like onto areas of my character that needed development it was because he loved me and because he was invested in making sure that I was in the best place possible to do what he had called me to do. And maybe that's what he's doing with you now. So what can we learn from the story of Joseph? Well, the first thing is this, listen to your heart and attend to your secret life. Character isn't just about the things that we do, It's also about the things that we don't do. It might be about the attitudes that we have or our motivation for doing things. Now, as I said, we don't know why Joseph chose to share his dreams with his brothers and then with his father. But my supposition is that it was at least foolish and at worst, arrogant. What is it for you? Maybe you lead a collective or you're in an important position at work and yet secretly you're wrestling with anger or resentment towards someone. Or maybe you're really good at encouraging other people but at the same time it doesn't take you much to gossip about others. Maybe you're happy to give your time or your money or both to good causes, but you deep down uh, harbour a resentment 
uh, towards someone who hurt you in the past. Maybe you're someone that other people really look up to, but actually when no one else is around, you get really angry. Maybe you're driven by an unhealthy, competitive ambition. There's nothing wrong with being ambitious, but maybe it's kind of become this thing that slightly has overtaken and God's wanting to put his flashlight onto that, to bring it into the light so that he can work on it, so that he can form you into the person that he needs you to be to sustain the calling that he has on your life. So that's the first thing. The second thing is run from sin. You'll know the story well, but Joseph, even after he's been sold into slavery by his brothers, prospers. It seems that prospering, wherever Joseph goes, he prospers. God's hand and God's blessing is upon him. Uh, And we see this when he becomes that kind of the second only to Potiphar in Potiphar's house. And Potiphar's wife takes a bit of a shine to Joseph and says, come to bed with me. And what he says, what it says is Joseph ran from the house. Run from sin. Whenever it comes, whatever it takes, run from sin. Run from temptation. It's worth considering why so often, if you're anything like me, we can flirt with temptation and sin a little bit. Maybe it's because it strokes our ego or because it brings comfort to an area where there's pain in our lives. Or maybe it's because it masks an insecurity uh, that we have. Or maybe just because like everybody else, we're broken. So how do we run from temptation? How do we run from sin? Well, I guess the first thing is know what your struggle is or where you have the potential to compromise and be honest about it. First of all, with yourself and probably advisably with somebody else so that you can, you can ask them to keep you in check. Now, we often think, I don't know what you think when you hear the word accountability, uh, but I used to think, you know, being held to account was, I don't know, like a bad thing in some way. It's a terrible thing to admit. But I heard this talk by Adam Heather that was so good. And he said, actually, it's because you, people are holding you to account because they want you to give a good account of your life. It's not because they want to keep hammering you for the things you've done wrong. It's because they're cheering you on so that you can give the best possible account of your life and the calling that God's placed upon you. But maybe you need to avoid situations and places where you might find yourself being tempted. There's the story, isn't there, of a boy who used to walk from home from school. And as he walked past the greengrocer, he would steal an apple every time he went past. And eventually he said to an older, uh, wiser person, I'm really struggling every time I walk past the greengrocer. I just am tempted to steal an apple. And the wise, older person said, well, walk a different route. Avoid the greengrocers. The next thing that we can do is surround ourselves with people who love us and encourage us and can cheer us on 
and you know we're all going to make mistakes but there are people who who can both uh, you know help us pick up the pieces but then help us pat ourselves down and help us get ourselves going again I have somebody who is a prayer partner, has been a prayer partner for a number of years, and having that person who I can just be totally honest and totally vulnerable with has just made a huge, huge difference to me. And, and he will ask me the difficult questions. How are you feeling about this? How are you dealing with this? What's going on here? What are you watching? All that kind of stuff. And I, as I said, it's not because he's trying to catch me out. It's because he is cheering me on to be the best version of myself, the version of myself that I long to be, the version of myself that God has made me to be. And it's so important to have those people who will just, as I said, walk alongside us and challenge us and encourage us and cheer us on because they love us and they have the best uh, in, intentions for us. One of my friends really, in the past, really struggled with just drinking too much alcohol and getting himself into all sorts of trouble because of that. So he talked to his her prayer partner about it and his prayer partner says well two things first of all don't go somewhere where you're going to find yourself tempted and secondly if you feel yourself being tempted send me a text message and it was just a smiley face text message and what it meant was that his that friend would then call him and it would you know and they would and he would remove himself from that situation he would talk to his friend in real time and then they would he would pray for him and and it it's that it's it's those moments when you know that you're being tempted that it's so important to to act. Don't wait until you you're kind of you know you in in his case he's sort of standing with a drink in his hand. Make a decision before then, and actually, ideally, the time to make a decision like that is not when you are in the situation. The time to make a decision like that is way ahead of time, and just decide I am not going to do that. That is not who I'm going to be. And then set yourself up to win in that situation. Have that prayer partner, have that person you can text to pray with you, who can talk you down, so to speak. The third thing is remember God's calling on your life. What's so striking about Joseph is that, first of all, after he's been trafficked and he's working in Potiphar's wife, he gets on with serving, he's engaged in where he's at and then when he's falsely accused and he's thrown into prison he doesn't sit in prison feeling sorry for himself he makes the most of the place that he's at and the situation he's in and he serves and because of his service he and because he is using the gifts that God has given him he gets promoted rapidly and then he ends up basically all but running the prison as a prisoner he didn't sit around feeling sorry for himself. He pressed in and he kept, he kept working on the gifts that God had given him and developing them, even in difficult and challenging circumstances, where it, where it would have been in so many ways so easy and so understandable just to kind of sit in a heap and feel sorry for himself. And as a result, rather than blaming God, he still allowed himself to be available to God. As I said, it must have been so tempting for him to just to sit and to kind of wallow and feel sorry for himself. And maybe he did have moments in prison when he thought about his mistakes, when he uh, thought about how he might do things differently. We don't know. But in those moments, what we do know is God was shaping him. God was working on his character. Michelangelo took two years 
to carve David out of a block of marble, just chip by chip by chip by chip. In the same way, even in really difficult circumstances, when we feel like things are against us and we wonder where God is, there he is, quietly, chip, 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 chipping away, forming us into the person that he longs for us to be so that we can carry the calling that he has placed on our lives. Maybe you're here and you're watching this and you know what God's calling on your life is. Or you have a growing sense of what your calling might be, but things haven't panned out yet quite the way that you thought they might. Maybe like Joseph, you can't see all the pieces as they're being put together. And you feel a little confused and you feel disorientated. You've done everything right, but your journey to, from A to C seems to have detoured around Z. Make the choice to continue to remember God's call on your life. Even if it is bewildering and painful at times, choose to allow God to use you. Choose to be available even when you don't understand. Remember that it's in those moments that God's plan and calling on your life, it hasn't changed. He's doing something even bigger and deeper in you that you can't see or you don't understand yet. In those moments, remember that God is shaping you so that you can carry the calling that he's placed on your life. Fourthly, let God fulfil the calling he's made on your life in his timing, in his timing. I don't know about you, but often the verse of the Bible that I, I, I like the most is, for I know the plans I have for me, declares Bill, plans to prosper me and not to harm me, plans to give me a future and hope now. Well, as we know, that's not actually the verse in Jeremiah 29. It's for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope in his time, his way. Joseph knew God's call on his life and had made himself available. And then as we continue to track with Joseph through that story, you'll remember that he, he comes across the Pharaoh's bread maker, uh, sorry, um, yeah, baker and wine steward, and they both have dreams. And he interprets their dreams. And then three days later, uh, the dreams were fulfilled. And one of the things that he says is that he says to them, remember me when you come before Pharaoh. In other words, don't let me rot in prison. You know, this is my get out of jail free card. And even as the dreams are fulfilled, the promise to remember him is forgotten. I suspect for Joseph in those moments, there's also an element of him trying to fulfil God's call in his own terms, on his own terms, like now. This is my moment. I've been in here for a long time. Get me out. This is my way out. I'm going to use the gift that God's given me, of course, to serve somebody else, but also it's going to advance me. It's going to advance my cause. 
And it says that Joseph was forgotten about for two more years. Maybe you are in a situation or you've been in a situation where you feel like, okay, God, I've done all the right things. I've served you when it's been difficult. I've been available even when I wasn't where I thought I was going to be doing what I thought I was going to be doing. I fled from sin. I've remembered your call on my life. So can we get on with it now, please? Can we get on with the rest of my life? Can we get on with the calling that you have on my life? And so Joseph tries to use this moment to his advantage, which is in many ways totally understandable. But the cupbearer forgets him. And that must have been such a difficult time for Joseph kind of sitting, waiting. He must have heard what's happened to the baker and what's happened to the cupbearer. He must have heard and he, he must have been sitting there waiting, thinking when, when, almost looking at the door, like if he had a watch, kind of looking at his watch, like, come on now, what you and did the hours become days, the days become months, the months become a year, become another year. All the time waiting and hoping and hoping and waiting. But maybe in the midst of all that is happening, slowly, imperceptibly, Perhaps Joseph is still being changed. He is being formed. Maybe he's being broken even a little bit or a lot. Letting that attitude that he's owed, that he deserves to be seen and to be recognised and to be released, go. Slowly God is chip, 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 chip chipping away so that Joseph will be ready to his character will be ready to sustain the calling that God has on his life it's only later that Joseph begins to understand and fully understands that the call on his life is so much bigger than he thought it's so much bigger than his brothers bowing down to him it's so much bigger than his father's bowing down, his father and his mother bowing down to him. Not only does he save his family, but he saves a nation and delivers another one from starvation. I can only speak for myself, but I look back and in retrospect, I am so, so thankful that God has kept his timing in my life rather than my own many many times over if i've learned anything over the last 30 years it's that god is not slow in keeping his promises it's just that his timing is different from mine and it's different from yours he's doing something far bigger in my life and he's doing something far bigger in your life then you realise. It's so interesting that Joseph we see in chapter 37 who says, listen to the dream I had. And the Joseph we read in chapter 41 speaking to Pharaoh after many years of having his character shaped by God. When he's presented with a dream by the Pharaoh, he says, I cannot do it. But God can give Pharaoh the answer 
he desires. But that isn't the end of the story. Finally, he reveals himself to his brothers who have bowed down to him, not knowing who he is. In their quest for food, uh, in the face of starvation. And the Joseph they meet is not the Joseph, the 17-year-old Joseph, who is maybe a little bit plucky, a little bit arrogant. This is what the Joseph they meet when he finally reveals himself to them says. I'm your brother Joseph, the one who you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for sending me here because it was to save many lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years there has been a famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no ploughing or reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Wow. Wow. I don't know when you read that, but when I read that, I am struck again just reading it now. Just the extraordinary humility and the extraordinary journey that Joseph's been on. If that had been me, I don't know, maybe I would have been really angry, like, no, you're not having any food. And look where I am. It's got nothing to do with you. But he sees, God has so shaped him and formed him that he sees the kind of meta-narrative, not just in his own life, but in the life of his family and the lives of the nation. Across the years, God hasn't forgotten the call on Joseph's life. He's been preparing him for it shaping him so that his character can sustain the calling that he has on his life. You know, a number of years ago, I was supposed to take over the running of the the first church that I worked at. And while no one else maybe would have noticed it, I just began to internally register in my own life a, I got maybe it's kind of a faint sense of entitlement and maybe a little bit of arrogance and while no one else would have seen it I saw it and I just didn't like it and I won't go through the details but basically I ended up not having that job and it was a really painful and a really difficult time and I remember I eventually went to um, see a counsellor just to kind of process it and I said to one of the first things I said to this counsellor was do you know what I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but I wouldn't change a moment either. And the council sort of sat back and said, well, why? And I said, because first of all, I'm here now. This isn't where I expected to be, but I just, I'm thankful for what God has shown me about myself. And he's been chipping away at me and chipping away at those attitudes that I had that were hidden in those that sense of entitlement and maybe a bit of arrogance. And that could never have happened had I stayed where I was. Now, I'm not presiding over the largest empire on the face of the earth or anything like that. I'm just the old me doing my thing. But I wouldn't even be here uh, in Guildford. Our family wouldn't be here if that hadn't happened. And for that alone, 
I am so, so thankful. God working quietly behind the scenes, shaping me, changing me, leading and guiding me in a way that we never could have imagined to a place that we love, with people that we love, doing what we love. And maybe that's what God is doing in your life too. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us so much that you constantly are working and shaping our character so that it can sustain the calling that you have on our lives. Father, we thank you that you love us too much to leave us on our own. And we pray, Father, that as we, as we process these things, as we walk with you, help us to listen to your heart, listen and attend to our secret lives. Help us to be people who run from sin and from temptation. Help us to be people who remember, even in the challenge, your calling on our lives. And help us to trust you with the timing. In Jesus' name. Amen.